Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing the impact of rising policy rates from central banks on fixed income markets. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Cédric Bernard-Villeneuve, Portfolio Manager in our Absolute Return team. Welcome, Cédric, and thanks for joining me. Hey, Daniel. Thanks a lot for having me here. Needless to say, this is an interesting or, shall we say, very relevant time to be talking about the impact of higher policy rates uh, on fixed income markets. And of course, on one hand, none of this really should have been a surprise. We all knew and have discussed for years, frankly, that with extraordinary monetary policy following the global financial crisis, that one day it would have to be unwound and that it was probably not going to be a particularly pleasant process. And in fact, we've been seeing that. Uh, arguably for months. We had the LDI uh, turmoil in the UK. We had FTX and crypto market turmoil. Uh, And now we have banks failing in the US and worries about the European banking sector. Uh, And I think what it highlights uh, is the dilemma, certainly, that the central banks face. On one hand, very simply, they need to be hiking policy rates uh, because inflation is too high. Uh, but at the same time, an appreciation that not only uh, an increase that we've had in policy rates, but one in such a short period of time is inevitably going to upset uh, some parts of the market. And again, we're seeing that absolutely recently. So, Cedric, if we could start a bit, if you could lay out kind of what is the macro or financial context for what we're seeing in the markets. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. So let me take a step back and make sure that our auditors really understand why we arrived where we are and why we are facing this dilemma, as you said, which I think is in every investor's mind at the moment. So basically, by raising interest rates, the Fed is making borrowing money costlier and saving money more interesting. And very simplistically, what happens is that then banks will then raise their mortgage rates to maintain their profit margin. And as a result, families will no longer be able to afford buying a house. It's just like a domino effect. This will then cascade to estate agents or realtors who are making much less money because there is much less transactions. So then they will stop going out. They will be maybe going uh, less at restaurants, which will then impact servers working in those restaurants. And it will impact the restaurant owners, which will see less activities. And the restaurant owners will refrain from increasing prices and may actually offer discounts to attract new customers. Hence, prices drop. And so this basically closes the loop of increasing rates, which bring down demand, which lowers inflation. Of course, in reality, it's a lot more complicated than that. And central bankers will have to balance how much demand they destroy with how much they want to bring inflation down. And the problem with that is when unemployment rate starts rising, even by a small amount, it usually keeps going much higher, which makes the job of fine-tuning demand destruction even more complex for central bankers. And so there has been a lot of work done by economists around that. And research shows that unemployment rate can increase from two percentage points to even like five or six percentage points. So having the U.S. unemployment rate, which will go from 4% to 7%, is actually very plausible based on history. So as you can see, the job of central banker is about finding the right balance between demand destruction and bringing inflation down. Now, 
the inflation crisis that we are facing is very unique and broad-based, and it explains why the Fed had to increase rates so much uh, by all around 450 basis points uh, since March 2022. And that speed of increase explains why we arrived where we are. This amount of tightening in the monetary policy has a lot of implication for businesses of all sorts. And this is even more true for businesses that are extremely related and integrated with financial markets like bank, insurers or pension funds. And as you mentioned, Dan, we have seen the UK pension fund system being challenged and put under a lot of stress back in September 2022. And we are almost seeing a repeat of that episode in the banking industry at the moment. I think what's quite interesting about what we're going through now is the unpleasant uh, echoes it does seem to have with the global financial crisis. And, you know, I think we believed that after everything we went through and the tightening of uh, certainly the financial sector regulation, both in the U.S. and Europe, that at least we wouldn't have to uh, repeat that uh, episode again and imagine that if there was a new crisis or upset in the market, it would come from somewhere else. And uh, as it happens, we do have the U.S. banking sector, at least right now, at the core of all of this. The other perhaps more interesting question then is, well, what do the central banks do about all of this? We talk about the Fed put that whenever markets go down by a significant amount, the Fed or central banks will cut rates to stabilize the markets. And the concerns then that that makes investors perhaps complacent because they can always count on the central banks to bail them out. Except in the past, when that happened, inflation was low. So there really wasn't that much risk uh, if the Fed or the central banks cut rates. However, we're in a quite uncomfortable situation, I would argue, for the Fed, in that on one hand, you know, we clearly see the volatility in the markets and concerns that the increase in interest rates is creating instability. But of course, as we've seen with recent CPI data in the U.S. and inflation data in the Eurozone, inflation is still well above their targets. So I pose the question to you, Cedric, uh, what should the central banks do? And then probably as important, what will they do? Yeah, I think this is probably the, the question uh, every investor is asking himself at the moment and whether or not they are exposed to the, to the U.S. market, I guess. And unfortunately, the answer may not be as straightforward as we think, but the Fed is the lender of last resort. And its founding mission back in 1913, when it was created, was actually to bring back stability to the banking sector in the United States. So when the Fed came out and announced its new program, the bank term funding program, it was exactly about that. A new lending facility for banks which were under a lot of stress and which will help the, to stabilize the banking sector in the U.S. So they basically want to avoid a full contagion to the entire banking system, which then may create a lot of instability down the road and make their job about fighting inflation even more complex. And so we now arrived at the other mandate uh, from the Fed, uh, which is promoting effectively the goal of maximum employment, stable prices, and financial system stability. The important thing about why the Fed may not pause in its hiking path is to use the right tool for the right job. And this framework was better explained by Bernd Bernanke back in 2002. The Fed has multiple tools at its disposal. And it's very important the right tool is targeted towards the right goal. So by using the right tool for the job, 
Ben Bernanke means that, as a general rule, the Fed will pretty do best by focusing its monetary policy instrument on achieving its macro goal price stability and maximum sustainable employment. But it should use its regulatory, supervisory, and lender of last resort power to help to ensure financial stability. If you stop here, you could just assume basically that they will continue at high by 50 basis points. But I think, unfortunately, it's not that easy. So if we look at some numbers, small and medium-sized banks play actually a very important role in the U.S. economy. Banks with less than $250 billion in assets accounts for roughly 50% of U.S. commercial and industrial lending. It accounts for around 60% of residential real estate lending, about 45% of consumer lending. So you see that by putting those banks under stress, we are almost sure that they are going to tighten lending standards and it's going to wait at some point on aggregate demand. It will almost sort of help the Fed to bring inflation down. So that's why I think that the Fed is going to take that into consideration when they are going to assess how much they have to hike going forward. And so probably that bringing the hike from 50 basis points to 25 basis points is very sensible. You've described, uh, as I think we all agree, a challenging environment. At the same time, you are a portfolio manager for an absolute return fund. Uh, on one hand, that means you have a wide opportunity set uh, of instruments that you can in- invest in. Uh, you have to take into account uh, the particularly high volatility in fixed income that we've had uh, recently. And it's also a notable contrast to previous uh, episodes of market turbulence where it was much more equity markets where you saw the volatility, whereas now we see it just as much in fixed income. What then are you doing with your portfolios? How are you managing this environment? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's one of the very good things about being able to invest uh, globally within the, the fixed income sector is that we can uh, reallocate our IDs and our view across a very broad range of markets. And uh, at the moment, as I mentioned, you know, I think that there is a case for the Fed to continue hiking. Inflation is still present in the U.S. economy. And so what we like is basically playing the U.S. underperformance versus what we consider to be leveraged economies like Australia, Canada, Sweden. So the way we do that is we will be basically shorting the U.S. rates market against going along those leveraged economies. We basically think that the terminal rate in the U.S. should be a little bit higher than where it is right now. And we think that those leveraged economies, they have basically tolerated the buildup in leverage, particularly in their housing markets. And that this higher rates environment is going to be very, very challenging for their central banks to hike rates as much as they would need to in order to bring inflation down. So that's why we will express that in being short duration in the U.S. against uh, long duration in those economies. Other type of trades that we like at the moment are a short duration trade in uh, the Japanese economy, for example. We think that the Bank of Japan will be under a lot of pressure to normalize its policy. And we think that it's going to put some stress into the rates market in Japan. So we like to position ourselves into short duration in this market. And the general normalization of central bank's policy rates is also putting pressure on curves. And so we think that uh, we should position ourselves for steeper curves, meaning that the long-end rates are going to sell off much faster. And so we are uh, inputting those trades into our portfolios in Europe and in US mainly at the moment. 
Very good, Cedric. If I could summarize some of the key points that you made. Number one, you highlighted that fundamentally what's going on is we have high inflation and the central banks uh, are trying to find a balance between the demand destruction that, in a sense, we need to have happen uh, in order to bring inflation down. That's why they're raising policy rates. Uh, but at the same time, uh, certainly in the U.S., conscious of market stability uh, and also the labor market, given the dual mandate that the Fed has. Uh, that said, we could see the central banks pause because of the instability, but fundamentally, they probably do need to keep hiking rates until we get inflation back down closer to target. At the same time, you highlighted that the instability we're seeing in the U.S. banking sector actually will probably in and of itself contribute to a slowdown in demand as banks perhaps tighten lending standards and therefore remove some of the credit impulse. Finally, within your portfolios, for example, you're looking to take advantage of the position of U.S. markets versus other more leveraged economies. Well, Cedric, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks a lot for having me, Dan. It was a great pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint. Our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Viewpoint brings commentary and analysis in a variety of formats from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts to help investors make better informed decisions. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris and Cédric Bernard-Villeneuve. Please do join me next week. Until then... Take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.